Welcome. You're listening to the 3.0 edition of the Brain Fuzz Arts, Music, and Culture podcast with Joe Kamusa and Matthew White. Today, chef and Earth Mama superstar Leslie Parks Bailey joins Joe and Matthew to discuss her creative life, as well as her life among other creatives. We hear about her cooking reality show experience and more recent work to help local farmers. Matthew chews on a seed cracker. Joe laments a socially distanced conversation on food. Matthew attempts to mix it up between Joe and Leslie regarding the red hot chili peppers. For more information and links to resources on this episode, you can always find the show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. And now, from safe and secure locations at Brain Fuzz Northwest and Brain Fuzz Southeast, here are Joe, Matthew, and Leslie Parks Bailey. When I first asked you, I was like, "But how do we how do we want to approach this?" And you what label do you want? Yeah, and and the thing is, I don't like I don't <laughs> like labels. But you, you have to. Labels. I hate labels. Yeah. But you have to have a place to start. And you use the word chef, and that gave me a place to. So you think of yourself first and foremost as a chef, or not anymore. But you know, I talked to you earlier, and I got a catering job through a friend who uses the CSA, and that came through the yoga because we went to yoga school <laughs> together. So, you know, somebody once, and this is a long time ago, they, they labeled me as like an earth mama, like it was like earth mama, right? <laughs> <laughs> like super, like earth mama superstar. <laughs> and I'm not like, I'm not going to use superstar, but you know, these days, I'm starting to accept it. I didn't accept it. I was like, you know, that is wrong. Like, what is that? That is just some hype thing. But I'm, yeah, I'm an Earth Mama superstar. I try and do all of the things. If there's something to do, I'm going to try and do it. I might not succeed, but yeah. I was with you once and we were. We were somewhere, we were at a market, and um, it was the day you led me to the right olive for me. <laughs> because Cash I told Chavano's. Yeah, yes. and she's absolutely right. Uh, and somebody saw, I think, somebody saw you and recognized you from Chopped. <laughs> yeah. And you said that you do, you get that just when you're out and about, and you'll get the... The yeah. knowing look, the recognition. Diehard Chopped fans. Yeah. Are they, are they yeah, like Trekkies? They weird. know exactly which episode. And- they know, yeah. And I'm just like, oh gosh, that was, you know, 15 hours of my life that I don't get to get back. <laughs> it was just like, it was the most horrible experience <laughs> because, you know, you hype yourself up, right? And you show up and it's like a secret location and they come and meet you in a Starbucks and they lead you into the studio and then they give you the chef jacket and then they give you this box and all of a sudden <laughs> you, do, you start doing what you know how to do, but there's like 15 different cameras in your face and there's these star chefs on the other side judging you and, you know, I'm like, 
I remember saying to myself when I opened that first box, like, why am I here? What, what am I doing this for? Really? This is crazy. This is crazy. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I want to go back to bed. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was just like, I mean, I'm not that kind of, I'm not mm-hmm. really competitive. I like to share. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is my earth mama. Like everybody should know how to soft boil an egg. Everyone should know how to, you know, pour the perfect cup of tea or froth some milk. Um, Everyone should know how to take care of a plant. Everyone should know how to clean their clothes, right? But, and these are the things that make us happy. Like just living in our skin and, you know, just everything. It's, it's not as hard as it looks, right? It's, it's funny. Matthew and I were talking about... Uh, whether it's competition uh, and or ambition and how those traits are so important, you know, for anybody doing any kind of work, let alone creative work. And yet how there's like this fine line of where does it tip to where it's very caustic or, you know, cause I mean, you have to be ambitious or you would never stick. None of us would stick our necks out at all, but you right. know, when you're around those folks that you can just smell it and you're just, it just no, sends no, me no. running the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine the the pressure because you're you're not only being filmed, you're being timed, and anything you say, like I mutter and talk to myself and curse and you mm-hmm. know, and I'm trying to mm-hmm. imagine. Do they have a bleeper? Do they are they bleeping you when you're in there? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you don't even. Is there some trash just, talk amongst them? There is trash talk for sure. Like you oh. know, I was pretty sure when I was on top that I was going. There was this teenage kid, a sixteen year old. Yeah, he had staged. So, like at all of these really great restaurants, and he just knew all of all of the new stuff that I had no. Like I wasn't in kitchens anymore. I was not following, you know, all of this micro, macro, <laughs> like, you know, tweezer world. Like just no. none of it. And he forgot to put something on his plate that yeah. was supposed to be there, and so he was gone. And that's. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason that I stayed. And then in the second round, like, I was just like, oh, God, you know, I'm still here. I thought I was going home. Fire started in one of my pans, and the chef next to me put it out and was like, oh, let me help you out, little lady, you know. Oh. But, but my food was better than his. Like, I, we had, like, some sort of, I know it was some piece of pork that either you had to cook for a, a really long time or you had to cook it for a little piece of time. I can't remember. And mine was tastier. And so he was out and then I made it to the desserts. And that's where if I had a little bit more time, I might've won that 10 grand. I also went on chopped because my ex-husband was on chopped and he won. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and, and he was not being a great uh, ex-husband at the time, and so I was like, "Well, maybe I can beat him this way." But I did. But you know, it's so there. That was my competitiveness, but also, wow. you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but that, but before anything ever happened, you're looking at that uh, box, and you kind of feel that you're not in the right place. Yeah, I was like, "This is this is dumb." This is dumb. Like, 
I don't like being judged. I, like I said before, I like to share. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to share ideas. You know, I think, and I, I think we're cu- coming away from this. But for for a while, with all of the food shows, um, you know, everybody wanted to make someone their bitch. Right. Mm-hmm. That that was the word. I'm going to make you my bitch. I'm better than you. I'm going to pr- prove something to you. Mm-hmm. And that's not what that's not what eating and coming together and enjoying food is about. Right. It's about you know, eating and coming together and drinking spirits and, you know, just like savoring what we're provided with from the earth and, you know, and the sea and, um, you know, the land. And so it's just, it's hard for me to like accept to be, you know, that kind of competition like I'm a, sh- I'm a sharer, um, you know, food, cooking is my love language. Um, it's providing, it's part of the earth mama in me. <laughs> and going back from that, from that moment, you had already attained success. Um, that was not something you needed really. You had no. attained success. You were, can you share a little bit about that? that period what you were that was your chef period at what point did you no longer maybe identify as a chef I think that was like when I was like I'm done Hmm. like I was pretty much done at that point you know uh, my ex-husband and I had restaurants but I was really just I wasn't working in them I would I was really just kind of hostessing and moving around and it was more about the children at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And it took a, it took a while. Like I, you know, I came to Atlanta and I had no idea what I was going to do. And I've been, I've been here now five years and every, the ball has just started rolling, you know, like during the, during the pandemic, I started the CSA and, you know, I've been very successful with that. And then, you know, I was like, well, I I still have all of this time during the week. And because of working in restaurants, I know about florals. So, um, I started this floral business and the florals are really taking off. Right. And so now I'm getting these catering requests and I'm doing the, the florals for the catering. And, you know, I've got this husband who's an artist <laughs> and he's got people who, <laughs> you know, want florals and they want me to cater their, you know, their house parties and, or like, you know, they've got a new painting or they've, you know, acquired a new piece of art and they're like, could you do the catering and maybe you can do the florals and like, no, watching you, watching you prepare. It's, it's really interesting because it is done with, um, like I think of myself in the game, like I can, I can get around a grill and I can get around the kitchen, but there's, um, I don't know if it's just experience. It's, um, 
the motions, the, the love and the attention and the care that you bring to it, the energy that you bring to that preparation and then that nourishes the body, I believe there really is something to that. And seeing you do do it, it's, um, it is, it's, it's an art, it's a performance, and it, it's really something to watch. And then, of course, to enjoy as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, also, it's, like, it's almost like a meditation, you know? Yeah. It's something that um, I really believe that it's something that I was meant to do. Like, it's my art. It's my love. Um, it's something that I feel. I know that when I do, when I'm rushing or I'm not really thinking about it and I think it's bad, I know that I didn't, it was just, it's just like, it's just bullshit, right? It's just mm. like, Oh, it's just some pasta that I overcooked and we're eating it cause I'm not doing anything else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate it. And I usually will stop eating it. I'm just like, okay, well, this didn't work out and I might throw toss it toward one of the dogs or something. Right. It's like here, I, <laughs> you know, I know you want this, you'll eat anything. Right. So it's definitely, yeah, it's just one of those things that's inside of me. It's something, um, that I grew up with. My mother was definitely an entertainer. Um, holidays were a really big, big deal. But just even the every day, like we, she, there were, when we ate dinner, there were always uh, cloth napkins on the table. There was always, you know, a setting there, you know, she would take different objects and put them on the table, you know, like during Easter, we would have like these little eggs, wooden eggs that she would put on the table around that time. And there, maybe there would be a lamb, like, well, you know, lamb, there was some sort of lamb thing (laughs) at dinner. There were, um, candles, you know, and there was music playing and there was no getting up from the table. If, unless you asked, like you had to ask to be excused. Um, and there wasn't always necessarily prayer. There was prayer. But, you know, we had to hold hands and just, like, be thankful for what wasn't put in front of us. So, you know, it it was always an experience, and it was always coming together, and it was always, there was always sharing mm-hmm. and, um, and love, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't something to get through, to get mm-hmm. to your phone, back to your phone right. or your video games or whatever. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, there, you know, when we look at some of the, I'm, I can't quote the science exactly, but I have read the science that, that that's where this idea of blessing the meal comes from. Um, you know, it, it, it has its roots, um, you know, in, in religion, but there actually is something to the act of pausing and blessing the meal. And it comes back to that energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, and it's really, super it's important it's just it's not something that is a matter of fact it's just you know i don't know why it's important <laughs> but well, it's it being, is being present you know present. And i think that, yes. that gets overused these days but um because one of my questions from my little sheet here was thinking about how you deal with like creative obligation 
you know, routine, especially to say as a chef, especially like brutal hours on your feet. Um, yeah. You know, maybe I'm, I'm probably read too much Anthony Bourdain, but thinking of, you know, small, cramped, hot kitchens, yeah. tempers, tempers running versus, you know, again, some of the cooking shows like the Ina Gartens of the world where it's all inspiration. And here's my beautiful right. home my, in Long Island. And, snip some chives yes, out of my garden. And yeah. sip a beautiful Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, you, you're kind of, you've been talking about it uh, throughout. Well, I mean, I have to say, like, there are moments, you know, like even that, and this is really through the pandemic, because in the beginning, like, we were all just, we we're like, oh, we don't have to go anywhere. We, we like, let's just make breakfast. And now we're having lunch. And now I'm making a big dinner and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're just, you know, we're here. Let's do it. Let's make bread. Let's can things let's do everything <laughs> and you know there's moments when Radcliffe walks into the bedroom or the TV where I've been sitting in my robe <laughs> watching you know a series and he's like what are we having for dinner and I'm like let me just get through this last episode and I'll figure it out <laughs> and then he'll come back and I'm already two more episodes in and I'm like I guess we're having popcorn I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't want to eat takeout food. Like, so I don't know what we're going to do. Like there's some broth downstairs. And, and then sometimes I just go down and I figure it out. Right. Just there's some lentils or there's some leftovers and there might be, you know, I'll just grab a tortilla and smash whatever meat or cheese we've got into it. And, you know, slice up an avocado and some cilantro and that's dinner right that's that improvisation see the bride is good at that she has and and she actually enjoys the challenge so she loves going into you know friends refrigerators and Mm -hmm. and and just seeing what happens and the results have been amazing yeah i mean we have we're so spoiled right yeah we're so spoiled. Like you just walk into Whole Foods or, you know, any supermarket and you can get asparagus whenever you want it. And you can get, you know, avocados whenever you want them. And, you know, there's such great stuff just every day or every, you know, every weekend at the green market, right? There's stuff this grows around us. There's, I get chanterelles in my in my yard two months out of the year. And last year we got like, I pulled out 20 pounds of chanterelles just for my backyard. Wow. And so it's, it's not that big of a deal, right? You can work with very few ingredients and have a great meal. Um, but we're so used to getting whatever we want whenever we want it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think that's kind of why we're in the situation that we're in. I think mother earth is saying to us, slow down, look at what you have and like, stop wanting more and more and give me, give me, give me. I need this. I need that. Like we don't need as much as we think we do. 
you you know earlier you said you refer to it as the CSA, just the CSA, but there really is more to the story. And I was so when I first heard about it, I was it was it was one of those kinds of stories that you want to hear more of in this world. When restaurants were forced to close, then that had an impact through the chain, and mm-hmm. farmers were impacted. And local farmers, and you do the green market thing, so you know you know these people. Yeah. And 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 I think I may have told Joe, but tell more about the story as to it, the positive impact that this has had. Well, yeah, I mean, I had friends who have had farms, and they were like freaking out because they didn't have anywhere to move their food. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had a lot. They had a restaurant accounts, and the restaurants were closed, and they were growing all of this food. And so I was just like, okay, I will move this food for you. Um, I will move it through Atlanta for you. And so I went down the list of people I knew on my, you know, just in life and here. And I said, look, I'm doing this for the farmers. And, um, you know, I I know of a few families and a few churches over here that need food donations. So I'm going to buy this food up and whatever you can, you know, I'm going to make a box (laughs) and I'm going to drop it off and I'm going to put it on your doorstep and I'm going to send you some recipes that coincide with the box. And that was the beginning of the Bailey feed. You know, there's some people who, since we've opened up, they've gone back, they've, they're, they're still spoiled and (laughs) You know, there are some people who got sick of getting asparagus for two months. <laughs> and, you know, their kids were sick of it. But it's just, it's one of those things. I'm like, okay, well, go back to the supermarket. And, like, just don't forget that this, ha- this, this world event happened. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that it happened, right? This is my cause. This is my thing, Right. And it, it and it can happen again. It can it happen can, and again. And it can be worse, far and worse. And it can be worse. It can be far worse. Yeah. And you may not be able to get food. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I'm happy to at this point in my life be able to do it and not just you know be a superstar chef, right? Just yeah. And then That's, to and then to grow to the botanicals. Which you know on Instagram, I was telling you earlier, I see the uh, these images every day. It's just a, it's just a nice little surprise, you know. Yeah, it's nice. It's and you know you need you need plants in your house, right? They help you with your oxygen, or you just look at a plant and it makes you happy. And you're like, oh, that that just makes me happy. It's something. It's like a child. You watch it grow, mm-hmm. and it's something that you care about. You water it, or you. It gets larger and you put it in a different pot um, or you take it outside and, you know, I, um, you know, once a month I like dust them off my plants, the, the fig trees behind me, and I just kind of pet them like a dog. Um, and, you know, you just interact with them because they're alive mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're helping us breathe air. You know, even with the um, cut flowers, it's just, you know, who doesn't like a bouquet? <laughs> oh, yeah. So how yeah. does how does that work with the farmers? Are these? I, I know nothing about this business. Um, 
Well, there's some farmers, they do have, um, they do sell flowers. So I, I do buy flowers from them and they also sell bouquets, but now I'm working on with them, um, just buying, you know, different flowers that are in season and I add them to my bouquets, but I am going through a wholesaler with a lot of the plants and, um, cut flowers right now. Yeah. Right now. I mean, that could all in a year get back to me and I'll let you know. Of course. Well, <laughs> so starting. that gets to the whole path question is, which is the thing that, you know, I was wondering earlier, something that you said, did you ever think that, that was something you wanted to do or that you would do? Was it always, or was it just the circumstances and? I mean, I think it's just, it, part of it is just trying to stay creative in this really strange space that we're in. Yeah. Right. Um, because I don't, I, you know, I, for 20 years, all I was doing was worrying about like, the kids, right? Like, okay, you got to get you to soccer practice, got to get you to school, got to get you to swimming, got to get you to what it, your friend's house, yeah. <laughs> got to get you yeah. wherever you got to yeah. go. And I don't have that anymore. I wasn't working in a restaurant anymore, which I didn't want to do. Um, I really didn't want to, I didn't want to open a restaurant because I knew that if I did that, uh, that would probably be the end of my relationship <laughs> because my, my husband works at home and for whatever reason he needs me here. And, and that's fine. I love that. But I also, you know, I'm 53. I don't want to be on my feet, like cranking <laughs> out, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, you know, like I love my customers with catering. Right. But I'm like, Please don't ask me to cook for more than 27 people. Please don't ask me to do that because then it becomes a thing. Well, it was 25 in our earlier conversation. Okay, so, so, all right. I just so now we're up to 20. <laughs> <laughs> what, was right. there an innovation? <laughs> right. I just, just having this conversation, I know they're going to try and push it to okay. 30. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. 27. Two more. It's, you know, when I came to Atlanta... I knew I didn't want to do it. And then I flirt with it, right? There's, there's, there's this, where I live, there's like this whole area, this woman bought up and, you know, there's space for restaurants. There's space for what I want to do. Um, but do I want to wake up every morning and do that when I can do it from my own living room? I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've actually have. I was showing Joe some of your. Um, uh, I brought my seed cracker. It's the seed cracker. I um, but this. So this is nut. This is. I'm allergic to tree nuts. I don't want to violate any kind of HIPAA, HIPAA thing. But I guess if I, <laughs> I am allergic to tree nuts. But I can have these. Yeah, that's all. Se- it's all seed. It's all seed, and it's rare that you can. If you if you have that, you, that you can get a decent. You know, crack like everything's almond this and almond that, and and mm-hmm. to be able to have this. Now there are brands out there, but I must tell you, this is absolutely amazing, and it's more wafer. It's almost w- more wafer like than. Yeah. So it's how, good, right? And then the, and the salt. Tell me about the salt here. Um, it's furikake, which is a Japanese. Um, it's salt and 
uh, seaweed and sesame seed and uh, pepitas, which are, yeah, some, um, yeah, you know, and yeah, there's just a bunch of different seeds and a little, I usually use potato starch, starch or cornstarch, um, a little water and they're so easy to make. It's on a sheet and then you break them up. Is that you bake and yeah, you put them on a sheet and I, you, you bake them in the oven and then to really dry them out, I finish them off in a dehydrator. <laughs> um, and actually there's a whole bunch of them in the di- and I just leave them in the dehydrator right now. And I just, if I want one, I just go and, and break a piece off. <laughs> it's, un- it's unbelievable. They're really good. And, and I'm pairing it with an organic hummus. And the, the you know, hummus. the furikake is nice because it, it has the saltiness and then there's that kind of, you know, weird seaweed flavor Yeah. in there. Yeah. But it's good with, I like them with peanut butter and honey on top. Oh, yeah. Or, almond, or almond butter. Yeah. Yum, yum, yum. Getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, we were saying that this, this was probably, how to phrase this, probably the worst podcast to do not in person. Because we yeah. could be eating and drinking and doing, this, doing yeah. the digital thing. It's just like, oh, great. But Soon. You know. Soon. You were saying earlier the day starts at 4.30. Every day? Every day? Every day. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you can dip into that one. You can't just do 4.30 one day because it's... No. That, and, yeah, you know, right. there's even you times when I, I'm like... You know, the alarm goes off and I put it on snooze or I turn it off. And then, you know, Radcliffe, he's like, hey, hey, are you doing are you doing your sadhana today? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yep, I'm getting up right now. A cup of guilt first thing in the morning. <laughs> and then he goes back to sleep. You know, it's it's great. I'm like, don't you want to join me? He's like, nope, I don't have nothing to do with that. But it's, it's fine. So another piece of this of this complicated, complex um, conversation is living alongside creatives. And, you know, that has its own challenges. Yeah. Do you want to... uh... (laughs) Well, um, yeah, it's... I mean, you know, we're together all of the time he works his studio is on the other side of the house it's it's a whole different you know house we can fit our house inside of the studio mm-hmm. um and so there's this little walkway that goes through the house and he goes to work and you know sometimes he wakes up at two before i have to wake up at three forty five to do this you know and he's working and the TV's on because he needs, you know, for his work, for whatever reason, he needs to know what's going on in the world at all moments. So there's a TV, there's a television that's on in our house telling us what's happening every second of the day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's on right now and no one's in the room, right? But that energy is filtering through the house. So your schedules, like your sleep schedules and... Are they not not synced? No, they're not synced at all. He, uh, you know, he wakes up and works and then I wake up and he goes back to sleep and I work 
and then you know sometimes we're awake at the same times mm-hmm. <laughs> and um but it's just yeah it's interesting it's just a really and it's interesting also because that's the way my father was he worked all day it's not like we wake we wake up and we are like okay it's nine o'clock it's time to start working it's like there's no set hours um and if you know if something happens with Radcliffe and he's something you know organic in his body he like he has he has to get up and he Mm -hmm. has to go to the studio Mm -hmm. right and there will be moments uh around 2 30 4 o'clock where there's music blaring you can hear it blaring from the studio and he's in his place and there's you can't interrupt that right you can't go hey can you turn the music down i mean now you can send texts right like Mm -hmm. hey you want (laughs) to turn that down a little bit but yeah i don't go and disturb him and when i'm working like he knows that i really can't talk right now because uh, i've got i'm in i'm inside of it <clears throat> um but you know my my work is a little bit easier to step away from than like it's like i know what i'm doing it's just part of like i know what's going to happen um but with his work you can't interrupt that because he's on a stream, right? You can't, like, stuff is flowing out of him and it, it, it has to happen then. And I think, like, even with my father, he was the same way. He woke up at 12.30 noon, you know, noonish every day and worked into, like, he went to bed at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, um, and you would hear the type, you know, remember typewriters? <laughs> yeah. You would hear the typewriter clicking or, you know, I, I knew that he was doing something when I was with him because you could smell, he, he smoked a pipe. Mm-hmm. And so you would, that was part of his creative process, like chewing mm-hmm. on the pipe, smoking the pipe, you know, just all of that. Um, and so everyone has their process. Right. Um, yeah. It's amazing when I look at the breadth of your father's work and was was there a, like what was the studio situation like? Was it <laughs> there was no studio. I mean, when he, you know, mm-hmm. okay, the world was the studio right. and then with fashion there was a studio, right? Right. But, you know, when I was growing because he was a lot older than I was, um and he was kind of slowing down with his work. You know, he had a an office, um, and it was also there was also like a bed in there, and like also, but also plants. And this is, I guess, this is what wow. I am the way I am, right? That's, there are wow. like plants yeah. and objects yeah. and things that were important to him that inspired him. Uh-huh. Um, and there wasn't one typewriter. There were two typewriters. So whatever stream he was on, on, on each typewriter, like it continued. So it was just wow. like really weird. Um, he just did so many things, right? He, so he wrote poetry. He was a composer. So in the other, you know, in the living room, there was the baby grand piano and there was pieces of paper all over the place 
with you know and and pencils um, and so he would be composing music um, and then there was also a, a large table with that would have slides and what is that little you know that yeah, little yeah. thing that you look at this at the slides with and it, yeah it, there's just work all over the place yeah <laughs> and so the the home was the studio and that's kind of what it's like here um you know there's floral arrangements all over you can't see it but there's floral arrangements all over the place from the leftovers that i have from the floral arrangements there's like mason jars mason jars all over the place for canning or whatever i happen to be doing at the time um there's, you know, there's this big box of seeds for the garden that I've, I've been plant. you know, every day I go through and I start new seeds because it's spring and I'm, you know, just kind of trying to do each seed, you know, get into the season. So different things are going in the ground. Um, but that's just our process. It's right. just, you know, life as art sort of. Yeah, yeah. no. It, when versus it being now, I was going to say it just it has to kind of take over, and let, versus you know you, folks that have to kind of go in a room and, and start from scratch. It's so hard. Versus if your typewriter is already up and running, right. or you know your paints are out, or like so being around a lot of um, you know talented uh, creative people throughout your life. Like, what do you think? What have you learned? Like, are there common traits that you've seen? Like, what what do you think really I mean, I think, I think there are common traits, um, with the artists that I've known, but most of the, honestly, most of the artists I know I've known, it's really, it's just, it's what they do. And it's just, it's just their job, right? It's just, it's like if they're an electrician, it's just what they do just really to survive and feed their family. And also just, you know, being being African-Americans, it's like, this is what they do best. And so it's still stressful. It's like, there's times that they don't enjoy it or, you know, like I've, I've been talking about my father a lot with a lot of different people. Um, and it's just what he fell into and what he was good at. And he was good at um, making people feel comfortable so that he was able to document them, right? He was this, you know, big presence, but he also was very shy. And some, you know, he didn't just walk into a room and say, like, look, I want to take your picture or, or you know, find somebody on the street. And, like, he would gain their confidence, Um and then, like with Radcliffe, you know, there's there's days he's like, oh, God, you know, I don't want to go in the studio. <laughs> but those are some nice shoes you got on, baby. So <laughs> we got to pay the bills. <laughs> um, you know. But isn't that interesting, though? Like with cr- with creative work at times, it almost feels like I feel like that's something like never want to admit you're bored. Um, you know, yeah. frustrated because it seems like, wow, like what a luck you're so, cause we're bombarded with, oh, you're so lucky you get to go in the studio and do this or that. But it right. is very hard work and often without an attached paycheck and benefits right. and all that. So 
I think it's a double whammy, you know, yeah, but so that's probably sure. why all my, all my questions are so focused, I think on, you know, uh, in, inspiration and, and, you know, work ethic, obligation, all that sort of thing. Cause it's but, like, what, he'll come to me and he's like, what, what should I be? He has a show coming up in November. And, well, what should I base my, <laughs> the show on and I'm like I don't know like the elements <laughs> you know like I don't know I have no idea good luck with that <laughs> just like but he always figures it out right he for some reason it it doesn't really matter you know it's like you're more worried and of course you worry about press you worry about people's opinions but at the end of the day you just have to present what's coming out of you no matter what it doesn't matter if anybody hates it right as long as you know that you did your best job at it like you know like i said you know if i make like a crappy pasta dish and like i just stop eating it i'm like this is not my best maybe i just shouldn't have made this this is a waste of food (laughs) um (laughs) Like I would never present this to the world, you know. Well, being able to move past and, and you know, failure is also one of those overused topics in any creative conversation. But mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a setback or being open to you know walking away from something like as you did, like if your identity is tied up in being a chef and just thinking like, hey, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, that's a that takes a lot of courage. And a lot of yeah. work to be open to, like, what are all these other doors that I could open? Because you could yeah. fill your time with a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, what feeds you? Pardon the bad pun. I just no, no, had yeah, to throw no, that one in there. No, it's great. <laughs> it's an affliction. It's, well, the thing is, is that we all do know how to do a lot of things. It's just embracing, you know, I think, you know, we were talking about being competitive. Right. And it's like, we know how to do a lot of things and like, can we do them better? Can we, you know, make it better? Is it just, you know, it's not just a passing thing. Do we want our house to look a certain way? Yeah. Do we get bored with it? Yeah. So you move things around, shift things around. Um, And that's what I try. That's what I try and do now. (laughs) Well, yeah, you have to, because again, how do you keep yourself inspired? I, I really think that is job number one for all of us. And it's hard, you know, I, I, if I, I'm like a daily studio person, even if it's not happening, it's just like, Mm -hmm. go in and make something for the pile. Um, and, um, and I just find myself questioning, well, if you're not inspired, how do you expect somebody else to, you know, maybe see it in the work? Is yeah. the work going to be inspired? This go- then this goes back to like the yoga for me and the three hour sadhana. It's almost like you're jazzing yourself up, but not like, and there's days when I hate it. I'm like, Oh God, like I just want to like hug my pillow. But I, you know, I get up and I do the mudra and I, I sing the mantra and it's just something that like that moves through your body. It's just like the vibration, um, and just like even like there's certain exercises where you're like dusting off your aura. And I mm-hmm. like if you were saying things to me like this about like ten years ago, 
like, what are you t- just like stupid? Like, what are you talking really? about? Just like get up and like, mo- yeah, I would, I would have been like, what? Shut up. Like, you know, I mean, I was doing yoga, but I was like, mm-hmm. I was doing it to be skinny. <laughs> uh-huh. And so when I decided to become a yoga teacher and I went to yoga school, I didn't know about a lot of these things, but the, it's just science. It just, it just works. It all, it's all just like, you know, it's numerology. It's weird, wacky stuff, but it, it, it's truth. And it's just reminding yourself that you're alive. Yes. Instead of like jolting yourself up with a cup of coffee. Like there's so, you know, like when I do, do, Uh yeah, I'm doing, no, no, it's okay. (laughs) But it's okay. Like you can do it with a cup of coffee next to you. But when I'm doing these things, like the sun is coming up and I start and it's dark and then the light starts coming into the room and the birds start chirping and you hear the squirrels moving through the grass or up, you know, and like, okay, we're, we're alive. Here we are. Oh, there's no, to be in touch with those cycles and seasons and then to realize the cycles and seasons in your body and your life and to connect with that. Uh, there is nothing in our culture that encourages us to do that. I mean, you have to seek that out and, and do it yourself. And yeah. do you find that, let's say you do miss a day. Let's say, what are those days like? They're not good. Not good? <laughs> I I get irritated, you know, quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, something's missing. Or I feel guilty. I even feel guilty. I'm just like, oh, man. Like, or I miss, there's something that I missed. Yeah. Yeah. There's something, there's an experience in that whole three hours that I lost. And I can't get that back. So I, I'm going to, this is a brain fuzz exclusive here, Joe. I've never told you this, but I am, maybe I have, I am a daily meditator and Ooh. I do not miss it. And I have, I, I can't remember how long I've been, I've been doing it for years. And it has, the difference that it has made in my life is, I, I, I can't quantify how how different things are for me once I embrace that practice, and um, you know we could we can geek out on all of the metrics and all of that about about daily mm-hmm. meditation, but I can tell you I I know what you're saying when you miss and the days the day is off, but then there's also this other other piece of that in our culture that drive that competition. There's there's a bit of a guilt that you can't let creep in. Like, okay, so you missed a day. Right. You know, the day can be off, and then you can choose to feel guilt or whatever. Right. Or try to explain it away. Kind of, kind of uh, you know, half-ass <laughs> do whatever, you know, to maybe check the box. Um, with, some, with a practice like what you're working with, where it is – you know, an hour's commitment, and there are other people counting on that, you know, when you're teaching a class or when you're a student. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? I show up the next day. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That's all you can do. You just start over again. Yep. That's all you can do. Like, okay. 
and it's but it's okay like it's okay if you if like to not do it like you can't that kind of practice there's no room for guilt there isn't well, it's what builds being, the, the yeah. muscles, you know, for, for the yeah. discipline, I think, and, and routine. It's got to be time. And you've got to have those days where you don't yeah. do it and you learn that, yeah, well, then things don't work as yeah. well as I'd like them to. And uh, right. you're um, off. You're off. Yeah. And, and, but we're human. And, uh, right. you know, and despite yeah. all of these luxuries we have, um, you know, you can be bored. It's amazing. I, that drives me insane. Like, how can I possibly be bored? <laughs> Have like every book ever written at the finger, you know, fingertips. Yeah, 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 anything yeah, I want to yeah, hear, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know. I just, Super computer in your pocket. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the thing. It's like it's almost like there's too much, right? And yeah, so totally. sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to reject that, and I'm just going to sit here and be like, I'm bored, and that's okay too. And yeah, I think it is good, and I think you know, like that's like. What we're talking about to me is one thing that I've experienced with with people that I respect that do any kind of, uh, you know, creative work uh, specifically. You know, there is a a dedication to some kind of discipline outside of just, you know, painting birdhouses or whatever the hell their (laughs) their medium is. Um, Right. Because, I mean, you've been talking about it, like the importance of like side projects and hobbies, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to fill up and give you something to, you know, that could be restorative and or inspirational. Um, It's good stuff. Um, And it's stuff that it's like, there's no real cost to it. It's just living. It's just like looking beyond the screens and like, you know, the silly stuff that we can just dole out cash toward. Right. Mm-hmm. it's like they're so you know like sometimes you know when when the kids were with us they're like oh we're not doing anything today we're oh, not going yeah, out we're not yeah. getting in the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> and spending money like no there's so much to do like we live on eight acres like there's 800 things that you can do out there today yeah what is it what is it going to be well, and something that comes with the mindfulness meditation practice is to focus and use that either sense or that, that feeling and use that as an anchor and then explore that and become curious about it. And so the, you have to have that opportunity for boredom and, yeah. and then explore that, know what it feels like. From there, get so many different sensations and so many different insights, and you realize that, you know, time. You, your perception of time changes. Your perception of um, of senses change, and I, and people have even used it to overcome pain. Yep. By using the very pain itself as an anchor. How long yeah. do you meditate for? It depends. It varies. Um, I've done. I mean, I don't like to, what I learned was not, was getting away from the time thing, but okay. for a while there I was doing an hour twice a day. Wow. Okay. And that was, and, and that was a period of, that I needed that. Um, I want to say that there's a quote from the Dalai Lama and the Dalai Lama, I'm probably going to butcher this, but anyway, <laughs> I, yeah, right. <laughs> The, the Dalai Lama's attorneys are going to cease and desist distorting my truth. <laughs> so, 
No, there was this, this, it's like, wakes up, looks at the schedule, realizes this is a very busy day. I'm going to have to meditate twice as much. And, and to look at the time commitment and to realize <laughs> that it, it's just a total change of thinking. And, and yeah. again, this is one of those things that in life, nothing in this culture encourages you to do that. It's all about taking. Yep. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta and go. And always pulled in so <laughs> many different directions. Did you, now, you are on the eight acres now. Um, how much was nature a part of your life growing up? Um, it was a big... It was a big deal. I mean, I grew up um, in a similar like house. We didn't have as much land, but you know, my I'm going to go back to my mom. She um, sh- she made us go outside all the time. Um, there was not a lot of TV watching. There was a lot of like go in the backyard. Um, there was a forest behind our house, and on Sundays. Um, either before or after dinner, we would go on a family hike. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That yeah, is... no, it wasn't co- when you you know right I... when you want to watch MTV. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't cool, <laughs> but it is it is cool. Like I know what you know. Like when I see birds, I know what bird it is. Yeah. When I see plants growing shooting out of the ground, I know what I'm looking at. Um, and you know, when I see things that I wasn't looking for like in the morning on the walks with my dog, like I'm like, Oh wow. You know, if I get a shot of that blue heron, may, I will post it on Instagram and be like, look what I saw today. Mm-hmm. What were you looking at? You know? And I'm not bragging. It's just like, there's so much to see and slow down there's a lot to look at. So when I, yeah, when I was growing up, like going out into nature was really important and just, you know, getting the fresh air and just looking around. And at um, the, at the time you either resented it I was, or I was so annoyed. Yeah. So annoyed. But now oh. you look back, you have that memory. Yeah. And I don't, I don't make my kids do it because they annoy me when I'm doing it with them. <laughs> They're like, why are you walking so fast? Or like, why are we doing this? I'm, my Nikes are getting muddied. Like, yeah, I'm just like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not going to force you. To, you. You have to find this on your own. I can't, you know, this is your experience and you're ruining my experience right now. <laughs> Maybe you want to join me in about five or six years. I'll still be here. Yeah. Does it remind you of yourself at that age? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was just like, you know, come on, we're getting in the car. We're going to like, you know, this park, you know, this park over here and we're going to have a picnic or whatever she was doing. And I was just like, oh my God, no, please. I don't want it. But when I think back on it, I'm like, oh, those were really beautiful times. You know, yeah. like we were sitting in the grass and on Mother's Day and or we'd go to the botanical garden or, you know, whatever. Like it was just mm-hmm. like, thank you. 
you, for not letting me sit not, there and watch MTV, like watch that same, you know, that video reel that used to go round and round and round. Make me get out and experience well, it, is, uh, it underscores, though, how much work is involved, you know, to make an experience. Like you were talking about, like, the event of sitting down to dinner and setting a table and all those things. But it, it's somebody's got to do that work. Yeah. Or you can eat out of uh, eat out of a bag. I don't, you know, I don't know. Oh yeah, like how many yeah. times I will just stand in the kitchen and eat, you know, um, and I'll even mm-hmm. be cooking something, and it's just quicker. And I'm thinking, why the hell am I doing this? Why don't I sit down and read something? And right, mm-hmm. you mentioned MTV earlier, and <laughs> I know you had you had an eclectic uh, tastes growing up <laughs> musically, as, as mm-hmm. I remember. Could you just throw some of that out so that um, because music's oh, yeah. always a big topic for us? I was like a major serious punk rocker i had a purple mohawk (laughs) and you know as a black girl and in the 1980s that wasn't particularly the easiest thing to get away with um but yeah echo and the bunny man the cure the fix the pretenders i don't know like how much time do you have (laughs) (laughs) no I, i remember having a conversation once about combat rock Combat rock, yeah. And that, the Clash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, The Clash for sure. David Bowie. Yeah. I, I love, when I'm, when I'm working, I love listening to music. Um, when I'm cooking and, you know, I'm a very, I'm a diehard Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Really? Diehard. I actually have seen them perform in different countries. Really? (laughs) And specifically went to that country to see them perform. Yes. What do you think about the the Flea book? Um, Was it Acid for the Children? I haven't read it. I'm Um, I'm scared to read it, but I'm also... I think, you know, we're going back to meditation and, you know, like finding what works for you. you know, they're big meditators and uh, non-traditional medicinal yeah. practitioners. Um, I think they're the coolest band. You know, I hope Radcliffe's not in earshot. But yeah, I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's so. Is that your favorite band? Yes. That really? Yeah. Those are my boys. Joe. Now, Joe, let me just go ahead and get this uh, out. Uh, Joe's not the biggest. Peppers fan. I have, I have moments. I, I, I've never understood. What's the deal with uh, John Fruscianti, right? Is that how you yeah, say his Fushanti, name? The guitar Fushanti. player who seems like he's been been in and out and in and out. But um, He's just... I, I, do, I think a lot of it... He's a hell of a guitar yeah, player. he's amazing. Like, he's... he's a, but, you know, he's had his struggles and complications and addictions um i can't tell how much of it is like interpersonal issues um of course with that bunch i mean i can't yeah imagine. i mean there's so, there's so much ego there for sure it's not all drugs it's not all drugs not anymore yeah. not anymore you're yeah right but um speaking speaking of ego i know um rick rubin who has podcasts on these days, um, he whenever he talks about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he talks about just like walking into the room and just um, sensing 
just this turmoil yeah. and he couldn't put it, he thought it was drugs but wasn't quite sure but apparently it just was pretty pretty heavy in terms of those guys they've been together for so long i think you know they've been able like to remain in different i think in different times you know, and just like be children like just children <laughs> like they didn't have yeah. to grow up right they, they never yeah. had to grow up and they've just got like that's tons true. and tons of money and handlers and yes men. So I think, yeah, like I love them, but. Do you, do you, is there yeah. any distinction for you in the different periods? Like you like one period over another, or do you kind of turn your nose up at a, maybe the later or. I like the late, the later work. I think, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, I really love the work. Um, and that's when I was kind of following them around and going to every, every show I could go, get, get to. Um, but I was, you know, I was having my own problems in my life. So it was kind of an escape and back into, mm-hmm. into my own, you know, being childish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something, you know, about the music and the words and the jumping around mm-hmm. that I loved, like even their videos. <laughs> now they're just, you know, they're getting a little old. <laughs> I'm like, okay, guys, like how much jumping up and down are you going to keep doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. At some point it does. Yeah. Well, it's no, like that, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I know. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. I, yeah. I just, there comes a time, when, not yeah. to be ages, right. but. Right. <laughs> well, but Charlie Watts was one of the first to point that out, right? He's the, Mick was uh, what, jumping around like Peter Pan or whatever <laughs> We're going to wrap uh, wrap this up. Of course, thank you for joining us today. This is I, this has been just a great conversation. Thank you. And um, I I always love the insights, and I, I really like hearing this story too about the CSH. And yeah, I'm so glad great. we put this together. And just uh, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Thinking about me, I feel right. I feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> But in, you know, in a sharing way, not in a competitive way. As always, be sure to visit the show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com for more information on the topics discussed in this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Brain Fuzz. That's two words, Brain Fuzz. And be sure to leave a thumbs up or a five-star review. Finally, don't forget Instagram at Brain Fuzz Podcast for the rare visual nuggets related to the show. Engage in the dialogue, or just say hello, and use hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. We'll come out to the Bailey Fed Farm and hang out with us on the deck. I'm pretty good with like a rake and uh, (laughs) various gardening gardening tools. tools. Okay.